right as the children go back. You know, in your home, you have what is referred to as a HVAC system. And you may not know what that stands for, but it's actually pretty simple. It stands for heating, ventilation, and air conditioning. Your HVA system in your home is to maintain a healthy, moderate environment for you to live in regardless of the environment outside of your home. Now when I think of our Christian homes, spiritually speaking, we need to have when they call it an HVAC system. An internal system to provide protection from the elements of the world, a system that will provide comfort in the world that we live in. You know, it seems like at the beginning of time there was no need for an HVAC system. As a matter of fact, there was no need for clothing to protect them from the elements. Genesis 2.25, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. No concern of being cold, hot, uh, sunburned <laughs> for us light-complected people, or any other environmental concern. The world was a perfect environment, unlike the world we live in today. You know, it seemed like something happened, didn't it, that made this world a harsh environment to live in. It's called sin, pretty simply. Sin completely and vastly changed the environment in which we live, both physically and spiritually. It forces us to protect ourselves from the environment, both physically and in the message today, I want to show how to protect ourselves spiritually against the world's influence. And in continuing in the allegory of comparing a physical home to a spiritual Christian home, I'm entitling the message, Your Home's HVAC System. Let's pray. Father, what an important message this is. The devil is a sneaky, stinking, rotten liar. And he teaches us to lie. He lies to us, and then we lie to ourselves about things. Father, I just pray that you'd be in this message today, that you'd reach into our hearts, you'd encourage us and direct us, and that we'd follow you today uh, through the message that I am asking your Holy Spirit to deliver. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The message has a simple three-point outline. H is for heat, V is for ventilation, and AC for air conditioning. Now, we probably won't get through everything today, but we'll finish it up next week. You know, it's interesting that God addressed the Laodicean church as being lukewarm. Now, and on the surface, that might sound like, oh, that's good to be comfortable, you know, in, in, in what we're talking about today, but you're going to see it really has nothing to do with that. It's actually the opposite of that. The Lord said he, that he would rather them be hot or cold. And there's a reason for that. Revelation 3.15 says, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou were cold or hot. 
So then because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. You know, I believe the church, this church was comfortable living in the world in its indifferent, cold culture toward God. They were fine with the stench of sinful smell and in the red-hot heat to fuel the passions of the flesh. The church adapted to it and became quite comfortable in it, lukewarm. So it makes sense that God would say that He would rather us be hot or cold, or may I say by God's permission, let me add something here, that He would have you choking. You see, if you're hot or cold or choking, you are called to action. If you're not hot, you're not cold. If you're not choking, you're, it's inaction, folks. We are currently living, I believe, in a, in a Laodicean age where the church is cozying up with the world and it's making its alliances with it. Not all churches. But as a whole, it seems like that's what's happening. The world seeks to provide. You know, we have more than King Solomon today. It seeks for you to live without toil of work. Jobs that you are paid great for little work. It's amazing to me. I look around, I'm like, what are these people? There's nobody doing anything here, you know, and they're getting a big paycheck for this thing that they're doing, or entitlement through welfare, stimulus checks, oh, that sounded good, right? Hey, we're paying for stimulus checks big time right now. If you fell into that trap of, oh, this is good, that was bad. You see how high everything's gone up? You're way more paying for what you got. Credit cards, et cetera, just pushing things down. This the whole world system is, is pushing into this. But it's not the accumulation of things that really what makes us rich. Riches are a mental state, okay? If you ask a million people what rich is, you will get a million different answers. And pretty broad. You'll have a rich person tell you the richest person is this guy who doesn't have much to do over here, just lives every day simply in front of the ocean there and just has a nice little life and has food. And, and then you'll have the opposite end to tell you who's really rich is the, you know, all these big rich people. There are some people who have very little and yet they live a life of simplicity, quietness, in the enjoyment of God's creation. Riches are simply a state of mind that you are, now listen to this, that you are comfortable living without the need of God working in your life. That's the riches that I'm talking about. Sometimes we call that, we'll say, having it made. Boy, he's got it made. <laughs> Won the lottery, you got it made. But we should be careful seeking the having it made life. Jesus gave the Laodicean church the source of their lukewarmness. In verse 17 of chapter 3, it says, Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. 
what a list. Don't even realize it. You gotta realize that you may be just blind to it. You might compare this condition to someone who is truly sick, perhaps with a disease like cancer, but does not realize it. Does he go to the doctor? No, because they don't realize they're sick. Why do people not go to church? <laughs> Why do not people read their Bible? Why do not people pray as they should? Why do not people witness like they should? Because they are lukewarm toward God and uncomfortable with their life as it is. It's quite natural for us to seek an environment that is temperate and pleasing physically. There are places in the world like San Diego. Who's been to San Diego? Brother Reader has. And other places, they're quite temperate and comfortable year-round. The Canary Islands are considered the best climate in the world. Now, if these places have other amenities that are pleasing to the flesh, restaurants, things and things that we all love and want, they become the most sought out and therefore the most expensive places to live. But God warns us of comfortability with our lives in this world. He calls us to see the world and its pleasures for what they are. It's a place of temporal values, a place that is blinding to the truth, a place that will distract you from the path of destruction that you are headed to, a path of eternal punishment in hell for the unbeliever. You'll miss all that. And a place of shame and loss for the child of God. God calls us to Him that we may have true riches, that we may be pure before Him, that we would not be ashamed at His appearance, that we may be able to live, be able to live in the truth once again. He appeals to the lukewarm church of Laodicea. He says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. Tried in the fire. Living for God has got some tough things to it, but it's good. I like what one pastor said. He was in, I forget, I think he was Navy, maybe. <laughs> and I liked how he said because there was just some truth. He said, there's nothing like a good fight. Like something that you really, that's worth fighting for and fighting. You know, the Christian life is like that. Gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich the real riches, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, <laughs> and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. May I say to you, you have no hope of pleasing God until you see the world for what it is. James 4.4, 4, he says, ye adulterers and adulteresses, Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. That's scripture. Folks, don't fight it. That's scripture. That's truth. God doesn't miss a thing. With that being said, let us come to the first point of the message, heeding. heeding. Why do we need it? That's not hard to answer that one because when it gets cold, you need heat. Spiritually speaking, we need heat 
because the world around us is cold and indifferent to God. The type of heat we need is called zeal. Turn to Numbers chapter 25. This is a little different kind of passage, but I think it'll make the point. Actually, my wife made the point. You know, we had the kazoos going out here when Brother Mike was teaching, and uh, <laughs> it really caught him off guard, you know. And, and we're glad to know it wasn't because of bad teaching or anything. <laughs> but my wife came charging through at the end of Sunday school and said, they were knocking down the walls of Jericho, you know, with the kazoos as they went around seven times. You can say what you want, but my wife's got zeal. She gets excited about this stuff. <laughs> we may chuckle at it, but she, she gets real serious about it. It's called zeal. Numbers 25.1, And Israel abode in Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. And they called the people unto the sacrifices of their gods, and the people did eat and bowed down to their gods. And Israel joined himself unto Baal Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take all the heads of the people and hang them up before the Lord against the sun, that the fierce anger of the Lord may be turned away from Israel. And Moses said unto the judges of Israel, Slay ye every one his men that were joined unto Baal Peor. And behold, one of the children of Israel came and brought unto his brethren a Midianish, Midianish woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping before the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. They were weeping because great judgment was come upon them. And then somebody had the gall to bring this woman right before him. And when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, saw it, he rose up from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand, and he went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through the man of Israel and the woman through her belly, so the plague was stayed from the children of Israel. That's a rough thing. And those that died in the plague, though, listen to this, if you thought that was rough, were 20 and 4,000. This man decided to do something. He had a zeal. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, hath turned my wrath away from the children of Israel, while he was zealous for my sake among them, that I consume not the children of Israel in my jealousy. Wherefore say, Behold, I give unto him my covenant of peace. Here's that word, covenant. And he shall have it, and his seed after him. Listen to this, and I hope you're listening to Sunday school. Even the covenant of an everlasting priesthood. He was giving him something pretty big here. Because he was zealous for his God and made an atonement for the children of Israel. Now the name of the Israelite that was slain, even that was slain with the Midianite woman, woman, was Zimri the son of Salu, a prince of the chief house among the Simeonites. 
And the name of the Midianite woman was, that was slain was Cosby, and the daughter, the daughter of Zer, he was head over a people and of a chief house in Midian. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Vex the Midianites and smite them. For they vex you with their wives, wherewith they have beguiled you in the matter of Peor and in the matter of Cosby, the daughter of a prince of Midian, their sister, which was slain in the day of the plague for Peor's sake. Zeal, folks, is a passion or heat for God flowing from a burden for a faltering church and a lost and dying world. Part of the reason it's starting a church, I see the church falling apart. To God, you young men need to pick it up and keep with it. Zeal results in action. Phineas was motivated to action. In the church age we live in today, we don't thrust people through. Okay, I'm not saying that. Though we may feel like it sometimes, it's not a right thought even. However, we should be passionate to keep ourselves, our church, and families clean and pure in a society where churches are opening wide the gate to the infiltration of this world. Much like Israel did by joining themselves with nations who were idolaters. It shouldn't, you know, it doesn't, I don't wonder at the church like moving. What makes me wonder is how God ever, he would turn people back. That that's, amazes me more. How, how can that happen? But that's God. We also need to have a burning passion for the lost, lest we become indifferent like the world around us. I mean, this is a real thing. I mean, I, we all probably struggle with this. It's hard work witnessing to those around us. People don't seem to care or perhaps are aggressively disagreeable. We preach, and it seems like some just don't get it. We teach, and it seems they have little effect. But we must be resolved and remember God's word in Isaiah 55, 11. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. We just got to keep going, giving God's word out. We need to have a burden. A burden is a weight. Perhaps we should begin with thinking about our loved ones. This is a good place because you know them so well, who are lost. Perhaps we should think about such the loss of life that they have living unsaved and eternally to be punished in hell. How hot is hell? A vision that would cause us to pray even for our worst enemy. Paul, in closing his letter to the Colossians, encourages zeal and names those who are committed to the service of God. Turn to chapter 4 of Colossians. These were zealous serving God in many different capacities. I shorten this up, but I want to see it because there's different capacities to serve God. Don't get your mind 
blocking. What God puts in you to do, you need to do. And, and, it, and it'll be a wonderful thing. Colossians 4, beginning in verse 5. This is the end of his letter to the Colossians. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. That's a zealous thought. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. And then he starts to list people. All my states shall Tychicus declare unto you, who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent to you for the same purpose, that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they shall make known unto you all things which are done here. Aristarchus, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner saluteth you, and Marcus, sister son to Barnabas, touching whom ye received commandments, if he come unto you receiving. And Jesus, which is called Justice, who are of the circumcision. These only are my fellow workers under the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him record, listen to what he says, that he hath a great zeal for you. And them that are in Laodicea, and them in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Man, this is this is what we need to say about each other. Salute the brethren which are in. Listen to where they're talking about here, because this is the church that the Lord was addressing in Revelation in Laodicea and Nymphus, and the church which is in his house. And when this epistle is read among you, cause that it be read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea, <laughs> of all places, the lukewarm church. He's give, telling them about zeal and about what serving God is about being hot for God. And say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. You know, we need to have a zeal for God. Heat in a cold, indifferent world. Now we're going to move from our, the heating of our HVAC system to the ventilation aspect. You may or may not know this, but a house can be sealed up so tight that it can become unhealthy in your house. They actually, with houses that are insulated really well, they have to have a ventilation system bring some of the air from the outside. Sounds counterproductive, but we need a little bit. Spiritually speaking, it becomes harmful to us when we live our lives on a spiritual island. This can come in many forms. Some not joining with a church, having a family church, or it can be preaching the truth, truth without love. 
It can be that you're so busy with the things in your life that there's little room to bless others. Living lives where others must fall on our schedule. All of which can turn us into what I'll call stuffy Christians. Jesus, before he went to the cross, prayed for us concerning this matter. John chapter 17, beginning in verse 11. For sake of time, I'll just go ahead and read. And now I'm no more in the world. This is just before he went to the cross. But these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. Do you think that prayer could ever fail? That can't fail. God speaking to God, it will not fail. He keeps us. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost. Who did the keeping there? But the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. We talked about him this morning. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldst keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. You can't run and hide, folks. We've got a job to do. We've got to go out into the world. We've got to let a little of that air, worldly air in. I believe this was the problem with the church of Ephesus. They had all the truth, and they kept it, and they fought for it. They were even commended by God for it, but they forgot their first love and calling to reach out to the world Not only in truth, but here's where they missed it, but also in love. We talked about that this morning. How it comes out of the heart and through our lives. They did their job. They may have been in every church service and had given generously. But their service moved from their heart to their head. They started responding this way. In so doing, they became ineffective and was in danger of God removing their candle, their light, their witness. Revelation 2.1, under the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. This is all good. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, and has found them liars, oh, good, 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 preaching, good standing, and has borne and has patience for my name's sake, and has labored, and has not even fainted. Still going. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. 
they lost their zeal. Zeal's a hard thing. Zeal likes to go fight for a good cause. We need to realize that our work is, out, is outside the home lest we become stagnant in our witness. But the ventilation in our home is also filtered, isn't it? We have filters. When we return from the world, we must filter out the dirt when we return. We are to be in the world, but not of the world, which brings us to our third and final point of the message. And that we will wait till next week. And that's a big one, and it's a touchy one. So with heads bowed and eyes closed and the pianist coming, just think about what you've heard so far. HVA system. Do you have a zeal? Do you have heat? How is your heat? Would you be on the list of zealous, hardworking Christians in the church? Would you be called out today like Paul called people out? If not, and you need to be more involved, come to your pastor and ask him for something more you can do. I'll always prayerfully consider. I won't just try to throw you into something that needs to be done. Though maybe that's something that would be good. I don't know. But if you want to be more involved, if you want to be listed and you need to be more zealous, come to me. There's things to do. We'll see what God's put in you. His yoke is easy, His burden is light. You'll enjoy it. How is your ventilation? Are you a Christian hermit? Do you have cabin fever? Are you stepping out into the world and when you return, do you filter the filth of the world by the cleansing of God's Word? Are you in the world, but not of the world? Amen. Thank you for your attention. I pray the Lord spoke to your heart. The Holy Spirit got in there and dug something out. Encourage something in there, whatever you want to call it. We need God. That's what we need. We need Him working in our heart and lives mightily. Sometimes taking things out, sometimes putting things in, sometimes just encouraging us. So I hope you've met with the Lord today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these people, Lord, I pray for them. Thank you for them. I just ask that you work in their hearts and lives. Whatever those needs may be, to draw closer to you. Encourage them in their hearts. It's a tough world to live in. Thank you for them all. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed.